0: 18 plus. 18 plus.
1: PR, folks. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio. This is episode number 205. Amazing Avenue is your SB Nation New York Mets site. This is the official podcast of this. I've never done this live before. like quote live with Chris on the line. So I feel, I feel a lot of pressure to get all this right. Um, but yeah, we're here with a special wildcard game edition of the Amazing Avenue Audio podcast. We're going to be talking about the wildcard game, the way the season ended, all sorts of stuff. We actually haven't spoken, Chris, in a couple weeks because... Last week, uh, I was sick, and it was just kind of crazy. Um, so it's, yeah. been, it's been quite a few weeks of Mets baseball.
2: Yeah, it has. You know, that, that homestand was really something else, and they went and took care of business on the road. So, you know, it's uh, it's been fun. A couple of those games on the homestand that I got to be at were, you know, crucial as it turned out. The, yeah, The crazy comeback against the Phillies that was. Uh, with the Cabrera walk-off home run, mm-hmm. the Buxton extra inning home run, and then Granderson answering with two of his own. Those were uh, those were pretty great games. Those are games that you remember, I think, 5, 10, 20 years from now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those were... Um, it's crazy how many exciting games like that happened in such a short span of time, too.
2: Yeah, it is. You know... <laughs> You got to the point on Saturday that it felt like, okay, they're going to win. They're going to beat the Phillies again. They're going to clinch. And it's kind of easy to forget that even over the last couple of weeks, there were that many games that were intense. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's funny. They went, in terms of emotions that the team has made me feel, they went from not playoff relevant since 2008 You know, to the point that you're not sweating anything by the end of the season of multiple years. And then last year, it was such it, was, it was a short burst of just awesomeness. And then it was pretty much wrapped up by the end of Labor Day weekend. Yeah. So there wasn't really a tenth game to be watched. So these last two weeks, whether it was at the ballpark or on my couch, uh, there was that sort of anxiety that I, I didn't really remember what it was like. you know. Yeah. I felt it a little bit in other sports, but with the Mets and baseball being my number one, I
1: hadn't felt that in a while. This kind of reminded me a little bit of the 2001 season for the Mets, especially because after the untimely passing of Jose Fernandez, that game in Miami had a similar feel as that first game after the 9-11 uh, in New York, where it was just this game where – it started off as kind of this perfunctory exercise that, you know, you had to you had to be there, you had to do this, and then there was this amazing moment, you know, in the in the nine eleven game, it was Piazza's home run. In the Jose Fernandez Nick game, it, it started the game, it was the D Gordon home run. But you know, it just the, the sort of rush of emotion. But I remember in two thousand one, just you know, it was all these nail biting games and then it didn't turn out working out for the Mets. Whereas this had that that excite that, you know, um that sort of tragedy but we came out the other side. It was it was a, a much more triumphant experience um, this time. You know, ov- obviously, you know the Mets didn't lose a teammate, and uh, you know it feels gross to even say, you know, triumphant in regards to taking two of three from from Miami in that in that circumstance. But you know, by all accounts, the Mets handled the Jose Fernandez thing as, as well as they could have. They were praised by being for being classy by anybody with a voice on the internet and uh you know i think that they did a good job you know focusing on the baseball games but not being uh callous about it does that does that make sense
2: yeah yeah it does
1: um but yeah this has been it's been a hell of a few weeks and you know, when you think about how far back the mets were was it august 20th i think they were seven and a half games behind the first playoff spot or the first wild card spot Uh,
2: Yeah, it might have been that much. I remember saying at the time going into that series, and I don't remember if I said it on the podcast. I hope I did because it'll it'll sound good if I did. (laughs) Exactly. But I remember saying in real life uh, to someone that, hey, you know, this series against the Giants is big. It's four games, and this is a team that they might be able to catch because they've been so bad. And the Giants really were so bad until the last few days of the season they kind of got it together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because the Giants have a terrible record post All Star game. And the Mets' record in the last six weeks is fantastic. But, you know, August was not kind to the Mets necessarily um, until, you know, late into August. But it really is a team that the Mets are a team that really turned it on at the end of the year. And the Giants, until this past, you know, four or five days, really limped into the postseason. Um, are, Are you somebody who believes? in um in that sort of momentum. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks it's a bad thing, but but do you put a lot of stock into ending the season strong and and uh, you know, uh, uh playing meaningful games, you know, up until the end?
2: No, not generally. And I think last year the Mets were a good example of that where you know, it was it was wrapped up. They weren't necessarily their sharpest in the last couple weeks of the season and then they went on and made it to the World Series, you know? So I, I don't read too much into that, I don't think, with any team. Um, but in terms of emotions, I get it. I get why people might have been more concerned last year and might be feeling more upbeat than they would now, given the things that have transpired and the players who are, you know, not going to return this season. So... I get it, but I'm just not. I think ultimately it's uh, the the talent and performance on that night of Nova Syndergaard and Madison Bumgarner that really matters the most.
1: Uh, is there any pitcher in baseball you would less want to face in a one-game playoff than Madison Bumgarner? Um. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say
2: Kershaw. I don't care about the postseason stats that they each have. I think Clayton Kershaw is still the best. Uh, You know, he might be a little compromised
1: now because he missed. Well, so yeah. Uh, time. I mean, like in that, this but... in this postseason, you know,
2: right. But if it had been reversed, if the Giants had won the West and the Dodgers were the team that was coming to New York on Wednesday, I think I, I'd be more fearful of Kershaw. Um. And then of the contending, of the teams that made it, I don't know. I, I That might be the only one. And, you know, Bumgarner has sort of improved his numbers overall over the last few years, so it's not just the postseason track record, but what he's done during the regular season. Um. Yeah, I'll leave it at Kershaw for now. Someone on described. Review, I might add a name or two, but
1: I I don't know. I mean, a couple of the Cub starters are scary, but I don't think you know. So somebody described um, Bumgarner to me as the David Ortiz, as, as the the pitching David Ortiz, in terms of um, being able to kind of you know uh, it, they always seem to shine the brightest when the spotlight's on them. I don't really believe in clutch, but you know that sort of. Um, That that sort of player, and I just think that Bumgardner is is a fearless pitcher, and you know um, that's always the toughest guy to face. I I don't think he's easily rattled, Uh, but I do think the Mets have a decent shot against him. Um, You know, I, I don't know if you've been like you know keeping up with national press and all this, but almost everybody is calling this game for the Giants, and while it is you know they do have their their even year bullshit as it's known and they do have Bumgarner this, you know, this, this notorious big game pitcher going. I don't think it's as much of a sure fire decision as they as the pundits are making it, especially because the Mets do have Noah Syndergaard on the mound. And Syndergaard has been so good this season. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I uh I'm on board.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm also a Mets fan, you know, so it it's hard for me to to be yeah. as as uh, as down on their pitching as some people are,
2: right? Well, it's you know, I mean, we're in a spot where nobody's going to pick them. I don't think in any round that they're in. You know, it. Let's. I'm going to be optimistic because at this point of this season, why not be? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think, I know. I'm sort of always thinking that it's still possible, but after sticking it out and going back several months and saying the wild card is a fallback and you know they're not dead in the wild card yet to the point that they got one <laughs> um, I'm still going to think best case scenario but you know let's assume they win on Wednesday uh, say they get through the Cubs in the next round after that and then maybe I could see them getting some respect where the people go oh okay they knocked you off know, the
1: best team of baseball two years right, in a row in they, the playoffs yeah
2: yeah they beat the Cubs you know, these guys all, all aren't here, but the Mets still are. Uh, right. But I think that's what it would take for them to get any sort of uh, respect in terms of predictions. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if uh, To me, if they beat the Giants, then, you know, you go in a five-game series is just – you know, and you see it so many times over the course of a regular season, but, you know, you, you can have a game where you go in and uh, it could be, you know, Syndergaard against, I don't know, uh, I'll say Gio Gonzalez, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't have the best year. He wasn't, you know, quite up there uh, with his peers in his own rotation, certainly not on the level of everybody else. But you can go into a game like that and, and – the opposite of what you expect could happen. So, in a five game series, and I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but anything's possible. So,
1: yeah, I agree. Everybody
2: I, can make their picks, and you can all pick the Cubs, and it's fine. Makes sense. It's safe, but it's kind of boring. It is. The Mets are fun.
1: They are. And, you know, if you believe in guts and stuff like that, I don't see how you could uh, bet against this team. And it feels it's interesting to me because I feel like so many of the national guys, especially the guys on MLB Network, are all about heart and all about all that sort of stuff. Except when it comes to the Mets. Yeah, but that's a whole yeah. other, that's well, a it's a conversation for a whole other day. I feel like.
2: <laughs> well, it'll it'll probably take like a big pinch hit from, you know, somebody who was on the AAA roster, and uh, we'll we'll get to the rosters. I know a little more specifically, mm-hmm. but you know. That sort of thing, the you know the guy who really wasn't supposed to be here comes up with a big hit or makes a a great play or whatever you know some sort of thing that can be entered into baseball lore.
1: Yeah, you always need that baseball lore. Um, so, um, do you want to get right into the rosters then? Yeah. Let's All right. do it. So we before we started recording, we talked about how we were each gonna compile a twenty five man roster and uh and then discuss how we would, you know uh, there's a there's like about, you know, ten or twelve really obvious people you want on the roster. And then from there it gets a little bit fuzzier. So we're gonna go through our roster our roster is here and it's sort of maybe maybe we can try to come up with like the best roster. Maybe we think between the two of us we can we can do the best job here. So uh let's just take off the board Cindergaard because we know he's starting. Yeah. And let's take off the board uh the starting eight. So do we presume well let, let's say for sure Cabrera Reyes and TJ Rivera, right? Those those three are probably starting at their respective positions. Yeah. Okay. Uh Cespedes, Bruce and Granderson, right?
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right, and then let's also take Familia and Reed off the board, because there's yeah. no way we're not bringing them on the on board here. Okay, uh, who's starting at catcher for you?
2: Uh for me, I've been playing Travis Darno all year, and he's starting <laughs> for me in the wild card game. Uh but for me in real life, given the circumstances of you know and and sort of the context of it all, he's been Syndergaard's catcher. He's you know, certainly better than Darno at limiting a running game. Uh, you know, having him in there doesn't guarantee that the other team can't run. But I get it. You know, it would be nice if Darno had been hitting really well. Right. And it would make this a little more obvious. But they're both on the roster. But uh, I will concede Rene Rivera starts the wild card game.
1: Yeah, I'm conceding that as well, even though I don't like it one bit. But for the reasons you said, he can control the running game slightly better. He it also lets you uh, late in the game perhaps pinch hit with Darno in a bigger spot and then leave him in the game. Um, Yeah, which is a risky move, granted. Unless you know, with twenty five men, I I wouldn't. I don't think carrying a third catcher would be the worst thing in the world. But yeah, we we, we can just as a
2: as a reminder. I mean, it'll come up a lot, and I think most people listening. Either know this or may have read it in the last few days. If they if they didn't, uh, but in this era of the wild card, you know the one-off game is a one-off
1: roster. Yes, that's an important note to make. So this does not have to count. It can they can change all twenty-five guys before Friday night if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, so okay, so so we're taking both Rivera and Darno off the table. Um, I think you and I would both start Lucas Duda. Clearly, Correct. what's Terry going to do?
2: I actually, I'd put, i put my money on Duda starting.
1: I hope you're right. He's I mean, it's, he's it's hit lefties an better. To,
2: right, it's not an insult to James Loney. It's just, and I know Loney had the home run on on Saturday. I, but, you know, man, in a big game, you you go with the guy who has the better track record and. I think the only thing that would prevent me from starting Duda instead of Loney is if he looked like he was hobbled. You know, right? When if he had played and looked like ooh, like he really shouldn't be playing baseball yet. uh, It hasn't looked that way. You know, he, he didn't post like gaudy stats or anything, or you know, maybe he made the error and stuff. And I don't know. Those to me are more minor things. I'm going with the guy who. Was tied with Cespedes for home runs over the last two seasons. Coming into the year, uh, that's that's my guy, you know. And it, if if there's a way to get to Bumgarner, it, it's probably the home run, you know.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that to me in this type of a game, where I mean, the only objective the Mets have in this game, I mean, besides win, is is knock Bumgarner out. Right, yeah. that's, that's the only thing you want to do. That you can't grind it out. You can't wait him out. You have to knock him out of the game as early as you can. And so, because of that, you have to put the most dangerous bats in the game. And you know, some people might think that Loney is a far superior defensive first baseman than Duda. They're wrong, but they might think that. But there is no doubting that against. For, especially against a lefty, but just overall, if you're looking for somebody with offensive power, with offensive prowess, Duda is the only choice at first base right now. Yeah, I agree. Now, so, uh, do you also have Loney on your roster? Uh, I do. I do as well, partly because Duda was hurt, and you want to just just be better safe than sorry. You don't want to have to throw Josh Smoker at first base or something, you know. Um, so I, I think that's an important to have on the roster as well all right so we have uh we have a fair amount of folks taken care of so do you want to talk about the bench first or the other pitchers first
2: uh i guess uh, bench bench okay. first
1: all right here's here's my bench and uh tell me if you disagree with any of these guys uh juan Legaris, malcolm conforto kelly johnson matt reynolds um ty kelly and, uh, well, we said Loni already, and Alejandro Deaza.
2: Okay. Uh, it's a
1: big bench. I, I, I see that. It's a big bench.
2: Yeah, mine mine's a little uh, slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnson, Conforto, Ligaris, all the same. Uh, Loni and Darno, obviously, we already yeah. mentioned. And then uh, Deaza I have as well, but then I've gone with Nimmo.
1: Okay, why Nemo?
2: Ah, <clears throat> uh, man. Something about the way he's come off the bench and pinch hit. I don't know. I might be That's fair. I might be working contrary to all the general things I believe about baseball here, but <laughs> a couple of those big wins coming down the stretch, he pinch hit and and he was involved. He, you know, he got on base, uh scored at least one run that was really important. We're at the fringes here, and for me, I don't know, just the, the overall approach, I think it works. I think it works well for a pinch hitter. Uh, I know that this bench that I have is extremely left-handed. Yes. And I know Bumgarner is starting the game. Yes. But, but yeah, here we are. But <laughs> I think, so of all those guys, I think what the only difference is what, Nimmo instead of Ty Kelly, and you had Matt Reynolds instead
1: of... I just had Matt Reynolds as an extra bench player.
2: Uh, all right, so your bullpen's going to be a little smaller.
1: Yeah, a little bit smaller. Um, yeah. Well, I, Reynolds, I, I could, I could be argued Kelly off the roster. I think. Um, I was just looking at it that when you have, you know, you have a very banged up, uh, Ezra Cabrera on the field, and I, I felt like there needed to be somebody else you could put a shortstop that isn't Reyes, just in case. Um. And so, to me, that was Reynolds. And then Kelly was just the emergency righty off the bench, that I would hope to never get to. But I, I, I could also be convinced to put Nimmo there, or convinced to put Plawecki there, just to give an, just to let Darno be a pinch hitter, and not let him be the backup catcher necessarily.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I could see an argument for any of those things. Mm-hmm. Plawecki is also right-handed. Yes, he um, is. I mean, he had the one double. Recently that was like, Oh hey, that's cool. But then he also had the weak ground out to third base. (laughs) Yep. That was like, Oh, right, that that's who Kevin Pleweki is. Um But yeah, I mean you have that flexibility where you might be able to carry a guy like
1: that and and really just have him in there as a an emergency player. So Right. So I guess you know what? I'm changing my mind here. I'm putting in instead of Kelly as my emergency player. Fair enough. Okay. And I'm still I'm gonna go one short in the bullpen for reasons I'll get to in a second. All right. So okay, uh any other bench concerns? Is there anybody that we um I mean, you know, it's it's amazing how fast the baseball season goes. The last time we spoke, we both said there was a good chance the Mets could leave Jay Bruce off their postseason roster. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, uh, you know, mea culpa. That's, it, you know, it's obviously absurd at this point. Um, but, you know, it's it, it was sensible at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's amazing how fast things can change.
2: It is. I mean, I think in our defense, if he had shown exactly what he had shown up until recently. As the season closed out one. There might not even be a roster to worry about. That's true, and two, say they had still made it, even though he was still terrible. I think you might have a baseball argument to say, look, just carry Conforto, bring a couple of the other outfielders, and you know, see you later, Jay Bruce, or at the very least, he, he's on the bench, but you know, he he's the sort of uh unknown pinch hitter who might be able to come up and hit one out for you he's a human Hail Mary pass yeah which uh, that's how, that was kind of when he turned it around when he came into that game and hit the home run as the pinch hitter yeah uh and and then since then he finally looks like he's a major league player
1: yeah agreed so so yeah okay so that's the bench let's talk about the bullpen now um aside from Familia and Reed who are you carrying in your bullpen
2: uh so I'll work my way backwards. Uh Solace is there. Mhm. Blevins, Roblace, Smoker are all there. Uh Bartolo is there as the long man, you know. Mhm. Um then I went with two more with Henderson and Lugo.
1: Okay, I, I interesting. So, I'm,
2: not, I'm not totally in love. It's funny. I love the Mets bullpen this year,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's very top-heavy. It is. I'm actually feeling good about Robles because he's been good lately, and he. you don't know when that's going to change, but I'm not one to like throw out the streaky label on right. guys. But, man, he is as streaky as a pitcher can be. You look at his month by month, his ERA in any given month this season – is either like well under two or nine. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, literally going down, I think there's there's a month that it was five something, there, August it was nine. Uh, and then the, I think, I forget whether it was June or July or whatever it was, there was a month that it was zero in September and the two days of October it was 0.71. Um so I'm feeling good about Robles Henderson. I'm not totally in love with, but it's just, I guess Henderson Edgin is sort of interchangeable there, where I don't really trust either one of the guys. Right. But they are relief pitchers who could conceivably be involved. And then I said Lugo because after that point of the bullpen, uh, that's not someone I'm looking to use in that role. Even though, you know, you don't worry about burning him, even if you think he. Would start game one or game two of a uh, division series.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He would presumably just be throwing an inning or less in the, in a wild card game, uh, but could sort of be a second long man if we get all crazy and this turns into, you know, game six against the Astros. Right. And it's the seventeenth inning. I know that game went sixteen, but
0: it, I say it mean. goes even longer. Yeah. It's the
2: seventeenth inning, and we're out of guys, and Seth Lugo is going to have to finish this game. Um. So yeah, that that's my reasoning on all of them. Uh, where did you land in terms of number of guys and uh, different
1: guys? Mine is is very similar to yours with one big exception. So, uh, like you, I have Salas, I have Blevins, I have uh, let's see, I have Robles, I have Smoker, and then I I I I left Bartolo off the roster. Now I know that sounds crazy. But, uh, I'm saving Bartolo for the potential game one on Friday. And I know that, that the, the sort of the game plan here has to be all hands on deck, right? You have to win this game. There is no game Friday unless they win this game. That said, I don't know if, if Cologne is the answer there, um, you know he was great out of the bullpen in the playoffs last year, but he, he's he's been a bit up and down lately. You know he had that really rough start in Miami last week, and I I so so for that reason, uh, essentially I have both Lugo and Gazelman on the roster. Uh, I okay. would I get it. You know um, I think Lugo would be the first guy I'd go to because he has come out of the bullpen this year more than Gazelman did, and so maybe he'd be more comfortable warming up mid game. Than Gazelman, even though I like Gazzelman stuff a little bit better, I also think that curveball. Did Did Lugo start against the Giants earlier this year?
2: Oh, I'd have to look. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, I mean, there's a decent chance he was in the rotation when they played that series, so right? When they played
1: that four game series, yeah. But if they've seen him, they've seen him only one time, and that right. that curveball can be if that curveball's on, it's a pretty devastating weapon. And so I think that you know, especially. He does a very different look than Cindergard does, and so if Cindergard does well and it goes to extra innings, you have Lugo to do that. Or if Cindergard, God forbid, is a terrible start, gets hurt something, you have two guys who can go long. And you know, I was debating like to put Sean Gilmartin on the on the roster, and then I slapped myself on the face and said, No, of course you don't put Sean Gilmart on the roster. You know. uh... So to so to me it's just it's just semantics. I, I I think I'd feel better with Cologne starting Game One, but I could see putting Cologne on the roster and leaving Gazelman off, letting Gazelman start the first game of the of the division series. I think yeah. it's just important that you have at least two other starters on the on the roster that day.
2: Yeah, no, no, I I get it, and that's fair. Um, and one thing with the two of them as well even if you had went to gazelleman first, you know, let's say Syndergaard is dominant, but throws a lot of pitches in six innings. Mm-hmm. And let's be optimistic and say the Mets have a lead and it's, you know, three runs or less, maybe two, maybe one. Mm-hmm. You go to that seventh inning. It's no offense to Solace, but you can make an argument that Gazellman for one inning or Lugo for one inning could be a better option. Yeah. Uh, when Salas has been good since the trade. He just scares me a little bit with the home run.
1: Yes. Propensity. Agreed. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I I love that we have this podcast and these things to worry about. It's pretty great. <laughs> it is pretty great. I mean,
1: I, I think the big thing with, with, with Gazelman and Lugo so far, aside from Lugo's turn in the bullpen, I think both Gazelman and Lugo – can fool batters at this point in their career if they don't have their good stuff. Right. Whereas Cologne can't anymore. When Cologne is, when Cologne is, is not on, he is, he is so incredibly off. Right. And that would be heartbreaking. Like, you know, you, you bring Cologne in after Syndergaard, like you said, through, you know, six dominant innings, but he threw 122 pitches, you bring in Cologne and he's just getting rocked. And then what do you do?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it.
1: I don't know. I could be convinced otherwise. You know, otherwise, you know, it's um, it's a good problem to have.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a situation where you can't worry too much about what happens afterwards because it's a game seven, right? Uh but hey, let's hope Syndergaard just throws a shutout and yeah, and then we go, man, they could have carried twelve bench players. Yeah,
1: um. Can you imagine how different this conversation would be if the pitchers on the team were healthy, though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if there was or a Harvey you... in this situation or, right. a, oh, yeah. or a DeGrom?
2: This team wound up... All those guys were healthy, but the team still wound up in the same position. Yeah. You'd have people, like, going berserk, no matter what they did. Yeah. You'd have people who said, like, oh, DeGrom was better in the playoffs last year overall, or or, you know, like... Uh, you'd have people who would love and hate Harvey and it would just be, <laughs> there would be some very, very, a whole lot of second guessing going on. Absolutely. I actually think Terry Collins is in a very nice spot right now. His team made it to the postseason despite the injuries, uh, despite himself. There's, there's, <laughs> and there's a very obvious choice. I mean, it wasn't even a choice. It was just, Hey, Noah Syndergaard is clearly starting the wildcard game. Yeah, And, you know, the fringes that we're talking about, Henderson, Lugo, Edgen, Gazelman, and Bartolo as a reliever, I don't think, you know, it would be ridiculous of anyone to criticize if those rostered decisions, and obviously those are made by the organization as a whole, uh, probably more by Sandy Alderson than Collins, but I imagine they both have input on that process. It would be ridiculous to criticize who they carried at that point of the roster. Yeah, you know. But yeah. if everyone were healthy, and it was like, well, Syndergaard had the best season. You know that if Degrom were healthy, he might have still had the better season. Right. But even if you got to choose between the two of them, then it's like, okay, well. You know, Matts and Harvey, are they both going to be in the bullpen or do you leave a guy off? That kind of thing. Um, I'm glad it worked out at least to the point that Syndergaard didn't have to start on Sunday. Thank goodness, yeah. Because the one thing going back that I was saying about this game in June was, uh, well, hey, if they get to a wild card game, they have four aces that they can choose from. It'll be great.
1: Now they have one, but he's there. (laughs) He is there. And, you know, we've said this before, but I'll say it again. Just the fact that Mets made it to the playoffs with as many injuries to their starting rotation and to their starting lineup is pretty incredible.
2: Yeah. And if they go on and do something crazy here, it it has to be one of the more memorable teams uh, that's ever done it.
1: Absolutely. It's interesting. I, I did this little exercise before we started talking. I was looking at the... The 25-man roster that I constructed, but I'm I'm going to extend this for a second. I'm going to include the other. I'm going to include Cologne, and I'm going to include uh, what other? I guess I guess they only really have four starters right now, so I can't I can't do that. But if you just look at so last year's team was a pretty um, like not a ton of guys left the team due to free agency or being traded away last year, right? Nice was gone, but is kind of back. Murphy walked. Um, Kadir retired. Who else? Did I, um, Tyler Clippard is no longer a Met. Yeah.
2: Kadiah oh, retired reminds me that Syndergaard rhymes with wild card. It does. There you go. <laughs>
1: uh, Sorry to interrupt That's okay. that. That's okay. piece of wisdom. It, it, it was absolutely genius. Absolutely worth it. But it... <laughs> But if you look like I, that, what I'm saying is there wasn't a huge amount of roster turnover between 2015 and 2016. Right. And yet, not counting not counting Jerry Blevins cuz he was on the team just hurt during the postseason last year. There will be 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 guys out of the 26 or so that we discussed, 11 of those, those guys were not on the postseason roster last year. Yeah. Of those 11 guys, 1 2 Three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them were not even in the organization last year. And it just goes to show the amount of depth that Alderson has built into the system. You know?
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, at, at some point, he's got to get credit for the guys who are here, you know? And you look at it in terms of the healthy roster, obviously, I wish everybody were healthy. Right. And. If they were, then the pitchers, the, the three absent and aces all go back and predate Alderson in terms of when the organization acquired them, mm-hmm. which isn't 100% of the development process. But, you know, getting the guy in the organization obviously <laughs> matters a lot. Yes, absolutely. Um, but of the guys who are left right now, it's, uh, it's extremely Sandy Alderson's team. It's hashtag Sandy's
1: team, yeah.
0: Oh, hashtag
2: Cindy's mess. mess. Yeah, Sandy's mess, sorry. Um, yeah. You know, the, I mean, the you look at some of the guys. Um,
1: What's going on uh, the list here? Cindergaard, Reed, Blevins, Salas, Rene Rivera, Travis Darno, Miguel Cabrera, Jose Reyes. Uh, I wish it was Miguel Cabrera. I'm not Miguel I It's Dribble Cabrera. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love his Dribble, but, yeah. you
1: know. No, I agree. Um, Cespedes, Bruce, Granderson, uh, Conforto, Johnson, Gazelman, uh, Loney, Deaza, Smoker, and Cologne are all Alderson gets, and I, and some of those guys like I left off. Guys like was uh, was Robles a uh, an Alderson get?
2: No, he they. Had, I thought uh, like he predated
1: them, right? Yeah, yeah, they signed him a long time ago. Lugo,
2: like like a lot of international free agents, he right? Was, I think sixteen. At the yeah. time, so he's been around forever. Lugo might also be an Alderson guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, that was in that uh, that was their first draft.
1: Yeah. W- w- would that also make TJ Rivera an Alderson guy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's...
2: they were the same year, so Rivera wasn't even drafted, but he was signed right after the draft concluded.
1: So that essentially just means that. <laughs> Let me do this another way. Um, so Familia was there pre-Alderson. Yep. Duda was there, pre Alderson. Yep. Legaris was there, pre Alderson. Right. Matt Reynolds?
2: No, Reynolds is an Alderson regime guy. Pleweki.
1: Alderson. So there's only three players on the active on the playoff roster that predate him.
2: Uh yeah. I'm just giving it another quick look. Right? Duda. Yeah, Duda, Ligaris. And Familia. Amelia. Oh, and, and, and we Robles. said and Robles. Robles, four. Yeah. yeah, that that's four. And if Flores can return at some point, that's five, right? Yeah, that would be five, and it would be great. I really hope he can. Absolutely, but but yeah, I know that's. And it, it's funny, uh, you know, not that any of these guys are necessarily going to be long-term successful major leaguers. You you just don't know yet, but. It kind of took a while for any of the draft picks that Alderson and Day Podesta and their, you know, Chad McDonald and Tommy Tannis, who really were in charge of those drafts, uh, it took some time for anybody from those drafts to make it to the big leagues. And now it kind of feels like if you can just hack it as a Mets pitcher <laughs> and get to triple A. Once you get your chance in the big leagues, Dan Worthen is going to just, you know, magically turn you into
1: an above average starting pitcher. At this point, do we give uh, Worthen and Kevin Long lifetime contracts?
2: Yeah. And maybe Frank Viola too in AAA. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm not sure anybody wants a lifetime contract.
1: No. (laughs) But in Vegas? No, definitely not. But Kevin Long, I mean, we had to talk about him with his Dribble Cabrera. He says he just moves him closer to the plate, and that's what's resulted in all of this.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been phenomenal. You know, we know that, like, league-wide, home runs are up. The number of players with 20 home runs is higher now than it's been. I I saw that bandied about a little bit today on Twitter. Higher than it's been by a lot in recent years and and some of the highest numbers all time. You know, you don't have guys going and chasing the home run record, but it's just you have the baseline of power is higher right so still in that context you know the the numbers that i like to look at are the ones that are adjusted for league and uh and ballpark and all that and cabrera man he could he could do nothing next year and he will have earned all of his contract yep this year so it's uh and he's kind of become the de facto captain of the team.
1: Yeah, without without Wright there.
2: He's, yeah, I he's... mean, I imagine Wright's going to be in the dugout for all of the playoffs. Oh yeah, games. he was. He was there at the clincher. Uh no, he wasn't. He wasn't. I thought I saw him in there. No, no, he I uh, he wasn't there, and he texted a photo of a beer bottle to oh, really? Jose Reyes.
1: Oh, okay. I could or have to... sworn I saw him in the scrum. I guess not. Yeah, he'll well, definitely be there for the playoffs. Yeah, I know they said he's going to be there
2: Wednesday and then I assume he will be at all the games the rest of the way, but in terms of guys who have been in, around on a daily basis as Drupal has been you know, visibly at least. We don't know what goes on in the clubhouse. Right. that we can't see. But in terms of out and about, he's you know, he's right there all the time and I mean, it was early August when he said I'm playing through this because we have a chance. Yeah. And, you know, if we we really didn't have a chance, I wouldn't be playing anymore. And two months later, he's still there. The last day of the season, you know, he had the option, like everybody else, to take the day off, and he wanted to get a couple more at bats. Yeah. Um, If that isn't (laughs) Grigion,
1: I don't know what is. It's It's true. Yeah, it's it's interesting that a guy like Granderson, I mean, while clearly a leader in some ways in the clubhouse, is just a much more quiet leader. Whereas you know, Cabrera's on the top step pulling your helmet off no matter what you you know for everyone that comes in with a home run. There's just he just he, like you say, he's become the he's become the public face of leadership for the team.
2: Yeah, you and know what I credit Granderson's resurgence to? What's that? And it doesn't line up a hundred percent because he wasn't back until the very end. But I'm still gonna say. He knew Lucas Duda was coming back, and then he got him back, and we follow Lucas Duda lives again. It does. And it it came back to life in the same month that Granderson had his best month of the regular season. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think the real problem was that he just missed Lucas Duda all year. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who had like the knockoff Legos last winter. It was like December, and he's like, we followed Lucas Duda in the offseason. And yeah. it was a Granderson and a Duda little guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I it, You know, there. I heard at least some, and I know that there's always going to be some Mets fan that has a terrible opinion about everything, but I heard at least some Mets fans in the middle of the season like, ugh, when are they going to get rid of Granderson? And man, uh, right now, Bruce and Granderson are the reason why they got here. Yeah, at least over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can't believe we're here. This is this is fun.
2: I can believe it. Maybe I'm just <laughs> stupidly optimistic. No, you, you're but, you're uh, you're the one that
1: always believes, <laughs> and I'm the one that pulls you down. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the for for long time listeners. It's sort of the Jeff and Rob dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. Although less extreme, absolutely less extreme. <laughs> I think I think Jeff would, you know Jeff more extreme on the doom and gloom end and Rob would be vehemently defending everything Terry Collins did,
1: yeah, and I, I don't remember think
2: either one of them would have a problem with me saying either of those things no I
1: was uh, I was just starting to write for Mason Avenue this time last year, and I had been listening to the podcast reading the site for years. and I remember when Jeff on the podcast last year was like, that's it. I'm all in now. I was like, What? I, couldn't believe it. I, I literally couldn't believe that, that he could flip that switch and, and be all in on the team. So yeah. That's not a secret, you know. He's uh he's much more skeptical than I am. But yeah, but it's um it's fun. I'm glad we're here. And uh it's amazing to me that there's only the second time in the team's history they made the playoffs in back to back years. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that is crazy. And after last uh, October and early November, um, I think like, well, like a lot of people, I can't stand when I have even like a mild cold. Yeah, I hate it. I, I question everything about life. Like, why? What is this? Even though I know in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. I'm just terrible when I'm sick uh but last postseason made me sick. It, it, it waited until it ended. But there's only so many nights you can go to games and go out to bars and drink and yeah, and watch baseball and be completely emotionally invested and just not taking care of yourself before it catches up to you. But
1: I'll I'll pay that price again gladly. Absolutely. Uh, any closing thoughts about the wild card game? Ah uh,
2: I just, I would love if the Mets were the ones to end, hopefully permanently, the even-year thing with the Giants. Oh, yeah. And I would love if they were the ones to at least tarnish Bumgarner's postseason record, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, him him having one bad start is not, is not going to make, oh, wow, you know, his postseason numbers suck. It's not going to be that, but... Both of those things would be very satisfying to me. Yeah. And and I hope at the game and they, they travel well and it's annoying. I hope
1: it's all Mets fans. <laughs> yeah. Um so my dad is a San Francisco Giants fan because he grew up as a New York Giants fan. Yes. And so he texted me this morning and said, uh, you know, this game's gonna tear our family apart. And I said, Well, you know, I just hope you can forgive me when the Mets uh, finally do it with all this uh, even year bullshit. Yeah. So you know that's that's my big thing because I'm, you know, I I try and you know there are obviously moments when all of us forget the analytical side and just love baseball the way we did when we were kids. That's that's part of the reason I love baseball so much is because I can still on some level enjoy it for the same reasons. An awesome home run is just as great at 33 as it was at you know 13 or at 8 whatever but I like to consider myself a thinking fan in a lot of ways and this even your bullshit makes no sense so right. to get just to get that out of out of baseball is a good thing for everybody involved
2: yeah i think so you know that and the cardinals devil magic phrase are like i would rather hear about chipper jones being great <laughs> than hear those phrases you know just like factual Man, that guy killed the Mets. I'd rather read a list of Mets killers every day than hear either one of those phrases ever again. I'm glad that measuring things in Altuve's also went away a little bit. Yes. I haven't seen that really as commonplace. I I could do, this is just a rant now, I could do without calling a complete game with fewer than 100 pitches a Maddox. Yep. Um Sometimes I think on the baseball internet we get a little bit too cute. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are things I do that people think, <laughs> wow, yeah, that, that's enough of that. But whatever. Those are my things. But <laughs> but yeah. You're I, entitled th- to your things. <laughs> so goes my rant. Yeah. But yeah, let's hope the Mets just knock Bumgarner out of the game. Uh, maybe in the third or fourth inning, you know, some sort of wildly uncharacteristic start. And... uh Syndergaard does his thing, and then we can, you know, move on and, and worry about the, the first full round.
1: Yeah. Uh, th- this is the question I'm going to leave you with, okay? What is the most, what would be the most glorious knockout blow for Bumgarner? A Duda home run, a Bruce home run, or a Syndergaard home run?
2: Oh, it's got to be Syndergaard. <laughs> Especially since Baumgartner has the reputation of, uh, of being such a good hitter. Yeah. Oh man, now you get now <laughs> when we be disappointed if they win, but Syndergaard doesn't Does it hit a home run. run. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. Maybe he'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I wonder, like position player Syndergaard,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I won't, I won't go on too long with it, but like, how many home runs would he hit in the season? I'd like to think at least fifteen.
1: Yeah, probably. How many does he have so far this year, two? Three. Three, okay. So you figure he has three in how many National League Park starts is that? Probably 27?
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, it was... Well, two of them were at Dodger Stadium, and
1: then the other was at City Field, I think. Right, but just in terms of how many starts he made where he could have hit a home run. Right, 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 yes. So let's say 27 or 28, and if he hit three... Figure how many plate appearances average three plate appearances in a start. Yeah. So, you know, so that's, you know, twenties, you know I mean it's it's not the greatest home run rate, but you know. Yeah. He could do fifteen. I agree with you. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, thanks for listening, guys. We're gonna be uh, you know, taking care of all your playoff needs on AmazonAvenue dot com. So please check us out there. You can follow the podcast and the site on all relevant social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Amazing Avenue. Chris is at Chris McShane. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. You can please, please, please rate review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can download directly from blogtalkradio.com. dot com. You can email the show, podcast at Audio dot com. And uh you know, cheer us on. We're gonna try and do maybe a uh a meetup for the first round of the playoffs if that happens. Um you know we're we're going to have some good stuff going on so we just have to get through Wednesday so let's let's do it together and uh, as always let's go nuts